we look around at the crowd around us as we listen to this Jesus and we see its diversity of thought, its diversity of power, its diversity of men and women coming from all different regions. And we come to hear this words of this man who has incarnated such beauty, such life, such love, such God into this world. And so tune your ears, your eyes, and your heart. Bring your very self to hear God's word for us this morning from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Um, Because the uh, reading today is kind of short, I'll be reading it in a few different versions, and I'll give a sec to pause so you can let it soak in uh, between. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the book of Matthew. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. How blessed are those who are humble, because it is they who will inherit the earth. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. O God of steadfast love, may we, your people, be grounded and rooted in your love in such a way that we would know we have enough, we are enough because we are your child, we are your creation, we are known and seen by you. May we stand toe to toe with the things and the powers and the principalities of this world and not be moved, but stand with dignity, with strength and with courage because we stand rooted and grounded in your love. Teach us, O God, the ways of humility, of gentleness. Teach us the ways of Christ, who gave himself for his friend, for his enemies, but did not lose his identity, his cherishedness, his power. May we follow his ways as your community and in this land until your kingdom comes here on earth as you envision and as it is in heaven. Amen. Well, Jesus stands before the crowd on a mountain and speaks of two things, meekness and land. The talking of land makes me think of one of my musical heroes, Woody Guthrie, who's saying, this land is your land, this land is my land. 
We've heard it common. We remember it maybe as children from California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. It continues to go through similar verses, but one of the things we don't know, often know about this song by Woody Guthrie was the subversiveness as we get to the end of the song. The last three verses of Woody Guthrie's songs talks about what it means to take space in land, to put our feet on the ground and wonder, is this land truly for you and for me? He writes the last three verses. As I went walking, I saw a sign there. And on that sign, it said, no trespassing. But on the other side, it didn't, it didn't say nothing. That side was made for you and me. In the shadow of the steeple, Statue of Liberty, in the shadow of the steeple, I saw my people. By the relief office, I've seen my people. As they stood there hungry, I stood there asking, is this land made for you and me? Nobody living can ever stop me. As I go walking that freedom highway, nobody living will ever make me turn back. This land was made for you and me. Woody Guthrie was a man who spent his time rambling and around those who were often hungry and jobless and struggling, and he wrote songs from their perspective, asking the question, is this land that we put our feet in, the systems in which we live in, is it really made for you and for me, for those who are standing in the lines, hungry, jobless, and wondering what is coming next? Is this land truly made for us all or just for a few. When Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, the land, he is opening the gates of who this space is for. That the land in this earth will not just be for the wicked, for the powerful, for the greedy, but this land was made for me and you, the gentle, the humble at heart, those who are poor in spirit, who are grieving, mourning, and seeking out justice. Those who are persecuted, this land, this earth, this where we put our feet was made for those who are often not given land or space in this world. And so when we hear this, blessed are the meek, I wonder what image comes to your mind. When you hear the word meek, what do you see? As Sherry talked about, what image would you draw of meekness? Maybe meekness is a kind old lady. Maybe meekness to you is a sweet dog as it bends its head in submission. Maybe meekness, the image that often comes to me, is like a mat that just keeps getting walked over again and again. It's a quiet wallflower in the room. Well, this cultural understanding of meekness could not be further from the truth to what Jesus is calling out to these disciples on this day. When Jesus spoke these words, blessed are the meekness for they will inherit the earth, what the people heard was their song and their praise and their anthem from Psalm 37. 
Let me just read a little bit of it for you today. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It, only, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, and those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy abundant peace. He speaks of an abundant peace. Not a peace that comes with a mindset of scarcity, but a peace that comes with a humility and an understanding of abundance and a peace and a meekness that stands toe to toe with the wicked, with the oppressor, with the powerful that keep grabbing and grabbing the land for themselves. The psalm says, no, this is not the way it's going to end. The meek, the humble, the gentle, you will watch and see. They will be the ones who inherit the land, the earth, and enjoy its abundant peace. So what is meekness? What is it in the face of power, oppression, and wickedness? What is it in relationship to God and for us? Well, meekness, I believe, is a radical humbleness. A radical humbleness that doesn't let go of confidence. It's a humbleness that holds on to its backbone and its dignity. And yet it enters the world in a vulnerable, humble, collective way. What is meekness? It is a transformative gentleness towards all people. What is meekness? At its core, it is one thing we see again and again. It is a surrender to God, to a power much greater than myself and my circumstances, to my ability and my ego. It is a surrender to God in which we find our worth, our dignity, and enoughness and move through the world with that surrender and renewed power that comes not from ourselves, from God. The word meek in the original language you may have heard is described as reigning in a stallion. It is the idea of a house of a horse being controlled by bit or bridle. The horse is choosing to submit to authority. A power under constraint is often the translation. So let us be clear, my friends, that meekness is not weakness in any way. It is a powerful force in this world. And yet we have found the toxic ways of responding to this meekness in the church, finding toxic ways to describe it. For me, as a man, I was cultured and often taught that meekness was the opposite of toughness. To be a man meant to do whatever power and strength one could muster to dominate another. Maybe in a way it was to size up the room, maybe both physically and for those who don't think about physically, to size up the room mentally. Who am I smarter with? Who am I smarter than when I enter into this room? And how can I make sure I find myself in the place of things and make sure it is not at the bottom ring? That's not just for men. That is a description of meekness that often 
gets wrapped up in stay away, push it aside. Meekness just means you're going to be walked over again and again and again. And it's okay to be walked over again and again. This is not the meekness Jesus is speaking of. Throughout the ages, women in the church have been told to be meek as a way to honor God and man, to be silent, submissive, constrained, constrained, ultimately oppressed as a way of holy being. My friends, I want to be clear, this teaching is evil. It is the exact opposite of what Jesus is proclaiming from the mountaintop. When Jesus is talking about meekness, he is talking about understanding our very life and identity is surrendered and established, grounded by the love of God. A meekness that holds ground on being beloved, no matter what others may say, to use our voice and our life and our body in such a way in this world that we cannot be moved by the ways of this world, but we can stand firm in the very love of God who says that we matter, we are important, and we belong here. Jesus is talking about claiming space and land when the world has demanded that you are an outcast. The word meek in Hebrew often is sometimes used as, a, as those who have been outcast. They have been pushed to the side. They have no space and land in the world. And Jesus says, to those who have been told you have no space in this world, come and take up land, space, and earth because it is for you, because you are my beloved child and you must never forget it. In a world that was ruled by power and oppression, Jesus calls forth the meek, saying, not only be happy, in a fuller sense of happiness for those who are at the latest scripture circle, be happy and blessed, but your surrender to the power of God transcends is greater. When you surrender to the power of God, it transcends, and believe it or not, it is greater than the power of Caesar. When we surrender and humble ourselves to the power of God, it is greater and can stand the storm and can stand toe-to-toe with the power of Caesar. And it will usher in the very kingdom of God for the next generation, the next generation here on earth. In Scripture, there are two people who were described as meek directly described as they were a meek person. The first is Moses. Moses was described as he was a very meek man, more meek than anyone else on the face of the earth in Numbers 12. Now, what are some things we know about Moses? We know that he struggled with confidence. We know that he said, hey, I don't know if I want to go, but we know that when he surrendered his life And he said, here I am, God. And he followed this calling into the life. It was Moses who stood toe to toe with the most powerful ruler of his day. And what did he demand? Through the voice of God, he said, let my people go. He repeated it again and again, demanding the liberation of the people from slavery. And in Numbers 12, it says, now Moses was a very meek man, more meek than anyone else on earth. And God goes on to describe where this meekness flows from. In verse 5, God goes on and says, and when there was a prophet among you, I, the Lord, revealed myself to them in visions. I spoke to them in dreams. But this is not true with my servant Moses. 
He is faithful in all my house. I will speak face to face, clearly not in riddles. He sees from the Lord. Then why are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The meekness of Moses that allowed him to stand toe-to-toe with the Egyptian pharaoh and oppressor of his day meant that Moses was in such deep intimacy, relationship, and surrender to the presence of God that they spoke face-to-face. And this face-to-face, present-to-present relationship with God created subversive power in Moses and in his work of liberation. Meekness was a war horse in the face of oppression because because Moses was able to understand his power not in and of himself and what he could own, control, and push aside, but Moses understood his power through his relationship with God face to face. The second person in Scripture to be directly described as meek happens in Matthew 11. We see the other person is Jesus. In Matthew 11, Jesus is calling out cities, cities that have not repented from their way. And we hear one of these tough teachings of Jesus in Matthew 11 when he began to reproach the cities, it says, in which most of his deeds and powers were done because they did not repent. He said, woe to you, Bethsaida. You do not turn from your ways. It is better for Sodom and Gomorrah than for you. You're not turning from the way you're living as a people, as a nation, as a land, and it is going to destroy you. Jesus says this very clearly. And in the very next breath, this is what he says. Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart. And I will find re- you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. My friends, sometimes we miss the very presence of the real Jesus when we simply subject him to a warm hug or maybe in the image of a Care Bear. I'm like a kid of the 80s and 90s, so I like loved Care Bears. If you don't know what that is, you don't need to know. Um, but I had one, and I think sometimes that's how we imagine Jesus. We imagine Jesus wanting to just hold hands and saying, we care, we care. And I know that he was loving. I know that Jesus's hugs probably were amazing. But this is also a man who stood up because he surrendered to God and he said, let my people go. The way in which your religion has created those who are in and those are out, it is not the way of God. And I am going to speak truth to power because that is what meekness looks like when it is embodied in the very person of Jesus. And in the very next breath in which he calls us to repentance, he also says, come to me. Come to me, those who are weary and heavy burdened. I will give you rest. Meekness both speaks power, it speaks truth, and it opens its arms to say, and there is a place, there is a higher ground in which you are called to as a being. This week, I have been, for the last two weeks, I have been obsessed with the reading and the story of Clarence Jordan, who started Koinonia Farms in Georgia. 
Clarence Jordan decided in the midst of um, one of the most racist places um, in the world and at that time to start a community, a farming community that would share meals together, that would pray together, that would be black, white, and brown, and they would gather together and they would work, put their hands in the soil, in the land, and they would claim space together. And as they did this, simply farming and sharing meals together on Koinonia Farm, they received so much persecution, bombed again and again. Their sign shot again and again. Crosses burned on their lawn again and again. But they held their ground because they believed in the kingdom of God. They believed that all people were created as beloved children of God, and they were going to proclaim it by the meals they share together, by tilling the earth together and bringing out its goodness. Clarence Jordan also created a space um, for homes, for those who were homeless or didn't have, and that ended up turning into what we now call Habitat for Humanity around the globe. It is this meekness that stands and says, no, there is space, there is land, there is home for those who have been outcast. He once said, even though people about us choose the path of hate and violence and warfare, greed and prejudice, we who are Christ's body must throw off these poisons and let love permanent, permeate and cleanse every tissue and cell. Nor do we allow ourselves to become easily discouraged when love is not always obviously the successful or pleasant, but love never quits. Even when the enemy has hit you on the right cheek, you turn the other, and he also hits that. Love continues to forgive, not only when a brother has sinned against you seven times, but 77 times. Love doesn't quit or give up when a man, whether he be a communist or from the Klan, God, Christ shows us how far love would go when he prayed. While they were driving nails into his hand, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are up to. Love never quits. Love never quits. When meekness, humility, and gentleness stand in opposition of the face of violence, meekness becomes God's powerful tool of resistance, holding ground with humility, with dignity for yourself and for the other. Meekness is the unshakable standing ground without losing one's dignity. And so the meek are the ones who fully surrender to God. Who say, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do in this world. I don't know what you're asking of me. I don't even know how to show up to this day, but I'm going to show up and say, here I am, your beloved child. And I want to encounter you, God, face to face. And from that place, I want to live in the world. The meek are the ones who trust in the never quit power of love. Even if we don't see the fullness of it in our generation, for the next generation and the generation, we have to claim space for love in this world, even love for our enemies. The meek are the ones who usher the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And to them, Jesus proclaims, they shall inherit the land. 
my friends, how can we, and I mean we as a collective community, not just as an individual sitting behind your screen, but how can we live into this meekness, this way of being? I think we can start by showing up to God. We can start by saying, you know what, there might be something more powerful, there might be something more in control than myself. Show up to God with our doubts, our worries, our anxieties, our hopes, our dreams. Show up to God as Moses did and say, I want to see you face to face. I want to know you and I want to be known by you. And I will surrender my ego, my will, my plans, my control. I will open my grip and meet you face to face, God. This is how we live into meekness. And we do it together. How else do we live into the meekness? My friends, study the lives and the teaching of our nonviolent brothers and sisters. Bell Hooks, Dorothy Day, MLK, Gandhi, Clarence Jordan. Go and read what they said. These are people who are meek, but these were people who were unbelievably courageous. They stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with the greatest power. They stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with a flow that was going against them. But they did not lose their dignity. They did not lose the dignity of others. They did not lose the surrender to God in which they are able to move in the face of this world, say, no, I claim space and land here, not just for me, but for those who have been outcast. We show up to God face to face. We follow and listen to some other teachers. And we go, my friends, literally go and embody this. Find a, find a quiet space, maybe in your backyard, maybe out in the open, depending on how brave you are on this earth. Take off your shoes and stand on this ground. And with deep gratitude, place your feet and pray. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And just keep repeating this prayer. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven for me, through me, and for all people. May this land be a land for all people. Friends, we are borrowing this earth from generations to come. And we need meek leaders in our community who will not be silent, who will stand with dignity, who believe and practice the never quit love of God and who usher God's healing into the land, who claim the abundance of God and no longer live in a world of scarcity. And so may you see and hear and receive the blessing, the challenge, and the call to Jesus. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Amen. Let us take a moment of silence in prayer, maybe simply repeating the words on earth as it is in heaven, or a moment in silence and prayer to understand where God is calling you to surrender and to hold space in this world. Let's pray together. Amen. Well, as we come to the community,